As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love you so much! I love you! Have a great day! Have a great day! Bye! Bye. I love you! I love you too! I love Good morning, Sweet World, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Tuesday, January 19th. I'm Jay Skeets, rolling this morning with the Bass Master, ripping them lips, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo! Hey, yo! We got the International Man of Mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friend! Mm, Lily. <laughs> and last but not least, making the magic happen, it's JD. Hello! There he is, and here we are. I'm going to save the housekeeping until the end of the show. I just want to dive right in mm. to five games, one thing here. We got some news as well. Of course, have Tweet of the Night. Yeah, we're sharing some of our big takeaways from yesterday's MLK Day slate of games. We'll get to at least five of them. First one, we got to start with uh, one of the better games from the season, let's be honest, especially when it comes to the nationally televised games. Hold on, who's got the leaf blower blowing? Yeah, is it Trey or Lily? Oh, uh, hey! Congrats, good win. Good win, Lee Lee. Blowing those leaves around. I think the leaf blowers must be listening to the show and they're like, guys, I think they're about to go. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. 10 what is it? 10.03? Okay. And start blowing right now. Go right. for it, guys. You think yeah. the leaf blowers are in the stream team right now? Join us live on YouTube? It's, it's too much of a coincidence that they're, that they're not in the stream mm. team. So mm. I think, yeah, absolutely they are, yes. Okay, well, congratulations on your win. Usually Thank it's you. Trey Kirby with the leaf blowers, <laughs> but uh, Lee's got them too. Okay, well, the game I wanted to get to right away. It was the uh, Bucks versus the Nets. Harden and Durant, they star. Nets edge the Bucks 125 to 123. Really, really fun game, Lily. Uh, what's your big takeaway? Well, potential Eastern Conference final matchup, and it lived up to it. This was a great game. The Nets sort of looked like they were starting to separate a little bit in that sort of second half in the third quarter, but the Bucks came back into it. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of things that are little little takeaways from this one. One of them is the fact that uh, the Bucks and uh, the Nets' defense of Giannis was largely like. We're going to show as much disrespect to your shooting as possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. And DeAndre Jordan just parked himself in the paint at times. And Giannis t- stepped up and knocked down a couple of them. He airballed a couple as well. Hmm. But if I'm Giannis, I would have caused, called a timeout and said to the Nets, listen, 
If you're going to disrespect me, fine. But at least put a decent defender on me because DeAndre Jordan's defense has just fallen off a cliff. He's an awful, awful defender. And for him to be disrespecting Giannis, it's like you're as bad a defensive player as Giannis can be a, a, as a shooter. So don't do that. Put at least Kevin Durant on him so he's going to at least get some re- disrespect from a respectful wow. defender. No, honestly, I mean, the Bucks came back into this, and if you look at some of those plays in that fourth quarter, it's DeAndre Jordan just doing nothing, having no awareness defensively. He's a huge man. All he has to do is box out a couple of times and put his body in the way, and the Nets probably get a couple more of those rebounds or at least contest shots. So I thought that was pretty bad, but... The big key as well of this game, I mean, the big storyline is, of course, James Harden's second game, and I thought he was fantastic once again. I thought mm-hmm. he really has uh, inserted himself into that team by being patient and by also waiting for his moments to play the sort of game that we've seen over these last few years. You know, doing that one-on-one, he gets to his spots, he can hit those threes, he can go inside and drive, and he's doing it at the right time, but he's also finding his teammates as well at the right time and just making the right plays and he's hustling on defense, and he's also hustling on offense. The key play last night that resulted in a Kevin Durant three came off James Harden missing a three, getting his own offensive rebound, and then firing it back out to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant actually didn't have a great game shooting the ball. He missed a couple of those bunnies that you you expect Kevin Durant to hit in the first half especially, but game was uh, there to be won, and the ball just found its way to Kevin Durant. He stepped into a gorgeous three-pointer and knocked it down. But again, you're seeing James Harden really try to show his teammates. Again, it's a, it's a little bit like, hey, I'm the new guy here in the gym. I want to show you I'm working as hard as I can and, and uh, really setting up my teammates as best I can. But when Kevin Durant's out on the court, it just sort of feels it's always uh, his team is always the one that you want to be picking to win the game because he had a he, he had a rough night by his standards, but when it was there to be won, Kevin Durant stepped up and knocked down the big shot. So. I thought this was a very, very fun game. You mentioned game of the season. Certainly was game of the night there anyway, or game mm-hmm. of the day uh, for MLK. And uh, both teams will probably look at this one and think, you know what, there's there's some things we need to clean up if we are going to face this team uh, come playoff time. But certainly, um, you know, uh, the, the both teams got to feel pretty good about themselves. I thought the Bucks' defense was better than the Nets' defense. I think the Nets' defense has got some serious issues there. But good offense beats good defense. And when you've got two of those uh, fantastic offensive players in Harden and Durant. You can sort of paper over those cracks a little bit. Joe Harris had another good game as well, so they've got some shooters out there. But uh, Kevin Durant, he's a great player. He's a great player. <laughs> From the man who brought you Ja Morant is fun to watch. <laughs> Kevin Durant is a good player. Wow, that's a great take. Yeah, look, Lee said that that was a possible Eastern Conference Finals matchup trade. Now, you and I both know that's wrong. It's going to be Bulls-Raptors. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, Tass and I have the $100 bet going on the Nets. Tass says, yeah, after the Harden trade, yeah, Nets are going to the finals. They're going to be there. And I said, nah, give me the fields. Let's make it interesting. We had $100 on it. Now, Tass is already counting his money, as you saw on Twitter last night. He's feeling <laughs> very confident here in January uh, after two games. But, you know, two No victories. shocker that Tass has multiple pictures of him posing with $100 bills. Some stuck on his forehead. Some an immaculate balancing move at a karaoke spot. <laughs> That's why they call him Money Mellis. Exactly, exactly. I was going to tweet that as well. But instead I said, relax, Gary. You're already counting his money. Um, and look, I guess at this point maybe i'm hoping that uh kd uh, tweaks an ankle or something because then they're definitely not going there because he's that special or Kyrie comes back and somehow ruins everything uh you know uh but they did you know that was a, a hell of a win there and there was a lot of lead changes back and forth but as as lee said the rebound from harden offensive board kicks it back out i mean kd stepping into a three at the top 
That's like a layup, right? I mean, that's oh, a, it's definitely. like you knew it was going in. Like I didn't, I know he had had a rough sort of shooting night as far as his nights go uh, in that game, but that was like, yep, that's in. You know, especially any time off an offensive <laughs> rebound, it usually feels like it's a three pointer. And if it's KD stepping into one, come on, lights out. Yeah, that's the best time to take a three-pointer, according to many Coach Steves out there. Right after yeah. an offensive rebound, people are scrambling. Suddenly, Kevin Durant wide open from the top. Lee, you mentioned DeAndre Jordan guarding Giannis. I thought the best defense played on Giannis last night was by Mike Budenholzer because Giannis <laughs> becomes a bystander far too easily, I feel like, in these games. You look at the last two possessions in this game. Defensively, on this rebound, uh, where Harden grabs it and kicks it off to KD at the top, Giannis is guarding Jeff Green for the yeah. entirety of this possession. He's basically just standing in the corner. You're taking Giannis out of the play before it even starts because it's not very likely that the Nets are going to come out there and decide that Jeff Green is the guy to win them the game. It's going to be KD and it's going to be James Harden right now. Obviously, in the future, maybe it'll be Kyrie as well. But Giannis was just standing there. He got a nice contest on the shot that uh, that Harden took from the left wing, but that left him out of position for rebounding. It was like, this guy's the defensive player of the year. Don't you want to get him involved somehow on the biggest play of the game on the defensive side. Then on the offensive side of the ball, understandable to go to Chris Middleton. That man was cooking in the fourth quarter. So I understand him getting the shot. But Giannis is just standing at half court. The only thing he's going to do is maybe go in and run for a tip. You saw him charge to the rim and jump uh, to try and maybe get a tip in. Or I don't know if the fall, the ball fell short. He could have grabbed it and put it up. Something like that. But he obviously wasn't involved in either of those plays. This guy's the MVP, the defensive player of the year. You should be able to use him somehow. Uh, you know, I, I thought it's just a waste of Giannis's talent to be guarding Jeff Green out there. Put him on Kevin Durant. You want a mobile tall guy? That's what Giannis is. Yeah, what do you think about that, Lee? I know Twitter was going nuts with that, too. The honest slander was uh, cranked up to uh, 11 or 12, especially after the air ball and like Trace pointing out, like he's guarding Jeff Green half this game and he's not involved at the end. You know, what? what is, what's Bud thinking? Is he just keeping it close to the close to the chest for a potential Eastern Conference final? Like, what's the reasoning here? Uh, well, I, I mean, you would hope not in January that he's not thinking already <laughs> to sort of June or July or wherever. But, um, I mean, part of it obviously falls on the coach, but part of it, I guess, falls on Giannis as well. When you are the MVP, you have to sort of take that leadership of like, you know, I'm going to go and defend this guy. I'm going to be here. I'm going to make my presence felt. I'm going to be in the paint contesting shots, being being present and being big in the moment. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And uh, on the offensive end, you know, talking again about about Giannis, if DeAndre Jordan's going to give him that shot, and as I said, he he hit a couple, but he also airballed a couple. But when he attacks, basically DeAndre Jordan just moved out the way. So that's where where else Giannis can improve his game. It's like, well, if you're going to be that disrespectful to me, I'm just going to go plowing in here because you can't actually stop me. You can't really defend me all that well. So it comes back to Giannis's leadership, his presence, and his awareness of just his impact on the game. And if, and if Budenholzer has said, listen, you just park yourself in the corner on Jeff Green, he should be putting his hand up saying, no, 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 no. That's, that's not the way we're going to go out. I'm going to go out there and I'm either going to defend James or I'm going to defend Kevin Durant or I'm going to be in the paint contesting shots. He can't just be uh, you know, passive like that. He has to stay, take, a, take a claim and say it. Now, again, we don't know exactly what was said in the huddle. Maybe it was something about, you know, like if you're on Jeff Green and we get the rebound, just get out and charge down the other end. Perhaps that's what it was. Who knows? But, uh, you know, I think some of the ownership here falls on the player because he's the one out in the court. He's in the game. And you see leaders who are like, no, 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 I'm, I'm defending their best player. Michael Jordan wouldn't, wouldn't be like, I'm going to sit in the corner and be uh, uh, passive on this play. If there's, a, if there's a defensive possession needed, your best player has, has to be the one who stands up and says, I'll take him. I'll be there. 
And that was the criticism of Giannis last year during the playoffs, right? Why are you just standing to the side and guarding whoever Budenholzer tells you to guard? Look at the last five minutes. Giannis took one shot. It was off an offensive rebound. He had one offensive rebound. That's it. He didn't do hardly anything the last five minutes of this game. You got to get more from him. He's just got to be better because that is going to be the biggest advantage that the Bucs have against the Nets when it comes down to it is having Giannis, somebody who can just eat inside. If you're able to get the performance like you got from Chris Middleton, and you're able to be scoring this many points against the Nets for a team that has built their reputation on the defensive end, Giannis has to be better. He's got to be better on both ends. It's got to be a dominating performance because that's how the Bucs are going to get to the next level. Giannis has been an MVP two straight seasons. We need to see that MVP when it really, really counts. Yeah, I agree with that. And I can see why Tass is uh, counting his money last night because if this is a hypothetical series in the playoffs, second, third round, whenever... You know, it's cliche, but we always go come down to like, well, who's got the better player in the series? And Giannis, despite being a two-time MVP, I mean, it's not him, right? It's it's not. Not with KD playing the way he is right now, coming off of an injury. Giannis yeah. may not even be second. It may not <laughs> be. You know, with Harden in two games, you know, putting up 33 and 13s, doesn't even know half the plays yet. Um, so, yeah, I could see why Tass is feeling pretty good. Uh, there he is. Yeah, there's Money Mellis. <laughs> Somehow, I, I probably took one of these photos is the best part of all this, and now he's throwing it back in my face. I love it. <laughs> yeah, Tass was asking, you know, he's fine, I guess. He said, uh, in me paying him in American or Canadian. Either <laughs> way is fine with Tassie. <laughs> yeah, Money Mellis is going to spend it. Now he's actually going to save it and turn it into 200 So, yeah, great game, though. Really, really entertaining. Anything else, uh, Trey or Lee, from this one that, that jumped out at you? Well, uh, you know, Kevin Durant had another chance to close the game out, basically to seal it there, and he just fumbled it, which is something yeah, you true. never really see uh, from Kevin Durant. I sort of thought, oh, maybe someone, there was a foul there or anything, but he just sort of was like, nah, that was just on me. And uh, it was very sort of rare to see him not even get the shot off in that circumstance because he got the ball and uh, I can't remember it might have been hard and someone came over and he's just like get out of here everyone just go and sit down if you want I'm just going to go and uh, and get this shot got to his position got to his spot just rose up and uh, just fumbled the ball very unusual but uh, didn't cost them in the end and, and of course he hit the big one just prior to that anyway to give them the the lead Middleton shot too. Close to going down. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. not, not far off. And, yeah. I, and I'm with you, Trey. I know some people are like, where's Giannis? Where's Giannis? Where's Giannis? But, you know, all things considered, Chris Middleton's still an all-star, an all-NBA-ish guy uh, right there, borderline guy. And he's got it going. And he's had it going all season, man. I feel I don't feel bad about him taking that shot at all. Uh, some of the other stuff, some of the other action, like you were saying down the stretch, Giannis has got to be included. But uh, yeah, that final shot, man, that almost drops. And the Bucks are laughing with the victory. Yeah, he went 10 for 20 from the field, 5 of 6 from the free throw line. And those are almost bad shooting percentages for Chris <laughs> yeah. Middleton at this yeah. point. That man was absolutely cooking. So yeah, he should get the shot. There should just be a way that they can both contribute offensively yep. it can't just be one or the other of them like you're seeing with the nets when both of your guys are scoring it's tough to stop the other thing i would ask after this game is joe harris going to be an all-star seems <laughs> ridiculous right? oh it seems absolutely ridiculous he's only averaging 15 a game but he's also shooting 51 percent from three obviously the nets are going to be good you think back to the kyle corver all-star season joe harris is having a kyle corver like season mm-hmm. uh percentages wise and obviously if he's open, you think it's going in. He's Clay Thompson out there right now. Oh, yeah. um, I think it's in the realm of possibility. We'll see how things play out over the next couple of months. But if the Nets go on a huge streak here, if they're clearly the best team in the Eastern Conference, if it takes Kyrie a while to get back so that Joe Harris is clearly established as the number three player for the Nets, it could happen. 
Mm, far-fetched, but I, I see where you're thinking there, especially with the Corver comparison. They'd have to, like, just go. We'd have to see, like, the Nets run off, like, a Hawks, yeah. like, you know, like... Uh, a 19 and straight. Yeah, yeah, exactly, like 19 straight or something. Here's my question, too, because you made me think about it with those shooting numbers from distance from Joe Harris. We're obviously not having an All-Star game this year. Um, we, in theory, think we're getting All-Star selections. I don't know why we wouldn't. Are we going to have a three-point contest, though? Like, why not? Like, the, I mean, the dunk contest is... Uh, you know, okay, you're asking. That's a little more physical. You're asking from these guys and stuff like that. Let's give them a break. But let's get the let's get the shooters together. Why not? You know, well, Lee, come on. Yeah, let's go one step further, JD. If you're listening there, why don't uh, you and I try to figure out a way to get my three point uh, shootout? You can come out and, uh, and, and shoot that. Well, actually, we could just do. I mean, the NBA could do. JD shaking his head. The NBA could do a virtual three point contest. Yeah, right. I mean, easily. Obviously, get them access to a gym, set yep. it up. The racks are the racks. The three point line is the three point line. Ain't nothing really changing. I guess you're shooting in different barns, but uh, man, man, I hope that happens. I love you know we we're big fans of the three point contest here. It always delivers. Uh, Joe Harris always. would be in it for sure with the way he's shooting it right now. All right, next game here. Let's keep it going. Uh, Warriors rally from 14 down in the fourth quarter to beat the Lakers 115-113. This was a morning watch for me. I didn't stay up last night to watch this one, Trey. I'm not sure you did. I know you're a bit of a night owl recently, so what's your big takeaway? Oh, I was up skeets. Unlike the Lakers, I was not sleepwalking. Oh! Finally caught up to the Lakers, though, last night. They led most of this game. It felt like it was going to be the Lakers that we've seen this entire season. You kind of snooze through the first three quarters. LeBron takes off the warm-ups and takes over down the stretch. Didn't happen like that, though. The Warriors gotta love this win because it wasn't just Steph Curry. He was good. Eight points in the fourth quarter. He hit that massive three over Anthony Davis, dancing on him, dotting his eyes from the top of the key. But it was really everybody for the Warriors in this one. There was a huge second half from the rascal Eric Paschal. Ten of his 19 <laughs> in the second half. Taking it to Montrez Harrell time and time again. Brad Iguana maker. Couple important buckets. He had some nice dishes off the dribble. Had the Lakers saying, enough, Wanamaker. <laughs> and of course, Ubre Oasis, looking like the energy guy the Warriors thought they had traded for. He had a couple of baskets off the dribble. He had a big steal in the fourth quarter. Then when it really came down to it, Stefan Draymond, the pick and roll, was taking him home. The Lakers, they're not going to be concerned. This is the first time in 285 games a LeBron team has lost a home game after having a double-digit lead heading into the fourth. But this is a great strength in numbers win for the Warriors. They got to go back to this tape and say... Look, we can win without a huge Steph game. It just takes something from everybody. Great contributions up and down the roster for the Warriors last night. An impressive win. Uh, If you went to bed like Lee did, I'm sorry. Hey, give me the confidence of Kelly Oubre Jr., who's shooting 20% from downtown, (laughs) to hit a three and blow a kiss. Hell yeah. (laughs) That's the energy you need in 2021. <laughs> I can't believe it. What? Okay, what type of per, what percentage does a guy need to be shooting from three, Lee, in your mind, for him to blow a kiss at the opponent? At least in the thirties. I mean, thirty-nine, I think at least. But but also, it has to be like your eight three of the game. It has right, to be late. Right. You, you have to be getting into it with your opponent as well. I mean, was that his first or second? I can't remember. Yeah. I think it, I think it might have only been his first one. But I'm just like, you got a T for it. I'm like, yeah, okay, the T was wasn't justified i don't care about that i'm yeah. just like 
How could you be blowing kisses when you're shooting 20% from the four hey, from man. three? He had oh. his best game of the season. <laughs> hey, no, he did have, he, 23 hey, points, nine of 18, two steals, two blocks. He's a plus five in, in uh, yeah. a lot of minutes. Yeah. Because this happened early in the game and I was ready to tweet something. And I thought, uh, the more I watched it, I'm like, actually, he, won't, he, did, he didn't have a bad game. He yeah. actually got it together. He played well enough that uh, he doesn't deserve much more ridicule than just a little bit here on the show. Uh, but talk about beautiful shots. That Steph Curry one, the, the sealer at the end oh, there. Man where he just shook off Anthony Davis and then launched that bomb. I mean, the the, the ability to create space, He, I mean, he got Anthony Davis. I don't know if Anthony Davis was expecting him maybe to drive, but instead Steph steps, Steph steps back even further and just has to shoot it over those gigantic arms of Davis uh, and knocks it in. And then he does a little dance at the end. He was feeling so good about it. Uh, he couldn't, and then he missed one on the next play down, so they couldn't sort of finish the Lakers off and they kept it close enough. But, uh, man, when you see Steph Curry hitting those sort of shots, it's, uh, it's a beautiful game to watch, a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, but it's the Lakers and it's LeBron. So, it, you, unfortunately, you have to flush this game down the toilet as oh, well. No. Oh, man. You oh, can't. no. Flush it. This was you a game. To. You have to because it's just LeBron. And, and the Lakers really botched that final possession uh, to the point where Coach Vogel called a timeout to try to get something going there. And LeBron, uh, he, he missed that one by, by a fair bit in the end. But uh, The three-pointer at the end? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's it's close. LeBron and it's the Lakers, and they were, you're just sort of like, yeah, you can't take anything out of it. You just cannot. But uh, good comeback from the Warriors anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy they won this game. They got out-rebounded by 18, the Warriors did, 50-32. to 32. You know, Trey said it. Steph did not have, like, an, an incredible Steph game by any means. He shot 8-22 uh, from the floor and 3-12 from deep. And he was great, you know, hitting that big shot late. But this wasn't, like, a 40- or 50-point curry night here. Yeah, this was just, like, all these other guys contributing. Wiggins, Oubre. I mean, Draymond Green hitting layups in the final couple minutes. Like, it... It felt like a layup party there at the end for the Warriors, um, just getting inside. And the Lakers in the fourth quarter shot six and nineteen. You know, after shooting fifty three percent over the first three quarters, so they just like they fell asleep. But yeah, Warriors—they're not going to care whether or not the uh, Lakers were trying up to uh, you know their capabilities or not. And so, win's a win, and uh, that's a good one, um, especially for. That strength in numbers uh, mantra that Steve Kerr's always pushing, like you said, TK, like everybody's got to contribute and, and we can get the victory. So that's a nice win. I also like the, uh, I'm sure you guys caught this, the uh, Draymond Green coaching up James Wiseman, who did not have a good game as a rookie in this one. But, uh, you know, he's mic'd up and we were getting some of those. It's all, I mean, I love that stuff. I mean, we're basketball geeks, so of course we're going to love that. But it's cool hearing Draymond telling him like what to do and what he should be doing or why you're not looking at me, what's going on there. I thought that was really neat. I'd love to buy a Draymond Green defensive instruction DVD set. Like that's the kind of thing. Like remember back in the day, you're like, oh, I got to learn these post moves. I'm gonna watch two hours of an old man alone in a basketball gym doing post moves, learning how to play defense. Draymond tr- teaches it in in a way that's so accessible. Even when you're just getting little snippets, little snippets yeah. here and there. I remember um, on the broadcast last year, he he knocked Nikola Jokic for his defensive effort during uh, the Nuggets first round series. And Jokic obviously must have been listening because he turned it around. Suddenly they were playing great defense. They pull off a couple of 3-1 comebacks. Everybody can learn from Draymond. Another uh, a hilarious uh, mic'd up moment was in this first game that we were just talking about. DeAndre Jordan, they did have mic'd up. Yeah. And he was over there chatting up everybody about how to play defense. <laughs> Even Marv and Chris Webber afterwards were like, Everybody looking at DeAndre like this is the first time he's been talking to him yeah. this season. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, he's yeah. turned it on for the mics for sure, oh, yeah. for the cameras. All right, our next game. Hold on, hold on. One yeah, last yeah. note. One last note. Dennis Schroeder, an epic flop. 
in this game. Andrew Wiggins has him posted up, gives him a couple of bumps. Yep. Schroeder goes down, lays in the lane for a four count, maybe? He's just <laughs> laying there. Wiggins uh, kicks it out. Eventually, the ball goes down the other way, but... I don't know. I was at first. I was like, "Is Dennis Schroeder actually hurt here?" No, he was just pouting that he didn't get the charge call. But wow, flop of the season so far. <laughs> oh wow, Phantom of the Flopper, eh? You oh, want to get that goodness, in there? Yeah. Excellent. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Our next game was the first game of the TNT Tripleheader, and it was John Morant's 17 points, 10 assists, helping the Grizzlies top the Suns 108-104. This was back-to-back-to-back good games on TNT last night. You know, all close games down the stretch. Grizzlies won their fifth straight Lee, you had said it on Monday's show because we were doing weekend winners and losers. Ja Morant coming back on the weekend. You gave the Grizzlies and Ja a winner of the weekend because you said this league's just better when he's in it because he's that talented. He's that fun to watch. And he was awesome down the stretch in this game. Again, it's only 17-10, and 10, but it was the plays in a tight game that were incredible. He had the assist to Grayson Allen in the corner uh, with about a minute and change left that gave Memphis the three-point lead. Just gored, like going through bodies, just contorting his body and then wrapping it around to Grayson Allen who knocked it down. And then he had an unbelievable drive, and you had pointed this out, Lee, where he does that Nash-like thing where he doesn't put his other hand on the ball. He just drove around, I guess it was Aiton on the Mm left-hand side, and just never putting his right hand on it, just scooped it up off the glass and got the the layup to drop, and that was like with 30 seconds left. And then, Mm -hmm. on the ensuing possession, Morant out. Chris Paul's Chris Paul by taking a charge against Chris Paul to uh, maintain the Memphis lead. It was one of those ones where it's like, uh, you know, he's backing up. He's not stationary. He's like moving his feet, trying to stay in front of the ball handler and Chris Paul. And, uh, you know, a little chicken wing maybe from CP3. Did Morant sell it or not? Or was he just off balance? Anyway, he gets the call. And uh, again, very Chris Paul-like the way he finished this game, John Morant. Yeah, I, I didn't love that charge call, yeah. but, but uh, again, because it was Chris Paul, it was like fair enough, you know, because that's exactly what he does, that sort of yeah. that flailing. He went like about 10 feet outside the court as well yeah. afterwards to really sell it. But uh, yeah, the great thing about uh, Morant here is, again, he's not lighting up the box score by any means by having to carry and drag the Grizzlies here to victory. Like they're getting a great contribution from so many players on their team. But in those crucial moments, that that uh, play by Morant where he broke down the defense and then fired it out to Grayson Allen, that was a Chris Paul type sort of play Hell as well. Yeah. To, yeah. to hit to hit the guy in the perfect spot with that pass, uh, and he knocked down the three pointer. And then he did. He came back and he was like, "Well, I, I see a little uh, opening here." And he went in and floated it up high off the glass. You asked me to even clip that one, Skeety. I did. Uh, I did because you had clipped the uh, you had oh, clipped the, the nice assist bros. to Grayson Allen. But uh, I was yeah. like, "Give me, give me that smooth layup." Yeah. you were right there. That was quick. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's just it's just fun to watch. So uh, a really good win here from the uh, from the Grizzlies. And I, I, I'm not sure what to sort of 
make of their ceiling. I, I think they're a playoff caliber team. I, I'm not sure they can get past the first round yet. I think this is still a young team with plenty of growth. But mm-hmm. you like the fact that uh, Jenkins has all of those guys out there working. doesn't really matter what combination is out there. Guys work hard on the defensive end and on the offensive end. That ball just keeps on moving around to try to find whoever's open or whoever can uh, knock down the shot. And um, I don't know if you guys remember, I, I mentioned the, the Xavier Tillman looks a little bit like Larry Johnson out there. Yeah. I don't know if you if you noticed that. Yes, because he's also got the big sort of arm sleeve as well yep. out there. He's got the scruffy I see beard. It. He's got the scruffy beard. It's like, man, Grandma is back in the league. This is incredible. He was pumped to start this game too. I know yeah. Tass addressed it on what you need to know on uh, on his little mini podcast there this morning. Yeah, it was great. I was happy for him. And Grayson Allen, man, hitting those four uh, free throws down the stretch, Lily. You know, I mean, you got to seal the game. And uh, he, he preserved the win for them there by knocking him down. He had a good game. He's been playing actually pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> Grayson Allen. Well, he <laughs> can never the- not look at that kid and say, man, he looked like Ted Cruz. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, yeah. It drives me insane. Oh, yeah. I can't look at him. I, oh. I just can't. I, I hate him because yeah. he looks like Ted Cruz. Oh, but yeah. he's playing really, really well. Uh, yeah. And this game, too, I mean, it turned when Devin Booker missed a dunk. Yeah, it was like two minutes. To, it was like two minutes to go. He puts that down. They were up two at the time. That puts it to four. And uh, he just... Came up short on it, just uh, put it in the front of the rim, like me att- attempting a dunk, and uh, yeah, that that was a bit of a game changer there because <laughs> well, he had a then stinker. Went on a massive run. He had a stinker of a night. Anyway, uh, Devin Booker only twelve points, couldn't shoot last night. Uh, so yeah, he had a bit of a rough one. But uh, just one thing quickly, going back to the Grizzlies, Tyus Jones again off the bench as well. He was very good for them, hitting some of those floaters down the stretch too. Yep, he's uh, yeah, he, he's sort of playing his way into a very nice role with that team. So. I like the Grizzlies. Like I say, their combinations keep sort of changing, but that's good. It's a good problem there for Jenkins to have because Dylan Brooks didn't really have it himself last night. So they've got someone else who can come in and uh, and hit some shots and make some plays for that team. Uh, so, yeah, fun win. Fun win for the Grizz. Yeah, anything to add, Trey, from this one? Nope. I will say this. <laughs> Devin Booker, I'm glad you brought that up. 5 of 21 last night. Zero free throw attempts. Um, and he has not had a great start to this season. He's uh, only averaging 22 points per game, which is very low for him. He's had, you know, two or three duds, actually. He had, a, he had this this game last night. I think he, had a, a, he has an eight-point performance under his belt. Uh, I know he didn't play huge minutes in that one. But I'm not freaking out yet. I, thought, I saw Espo, who's a diehard Suns fan. I saw him tweet this last night, and I think he's right. D-Book is going to be fine. Him and Chris Paul are still learning how to get on the same page here. And that... Booker will very likely get back to that all-star level when it comes to scoring and shooting the ball. And a little reminder that Espo had out there was that OKC with Chris Paul last year started 8-12 and 12 last year. You know, they didn't come out, you know, surprising people right out of the gate. It took a little while for Chris Paul to, you know, probably get comfortable himself working around at the time, Shea and, and Intruder and stuff like that. So maybe that's happening here. And by the way, the Suns are still, you know, have a great record getting wins. Mikhail Bridges looks great. Cameron Johnson's impressed me. And then Aiton. The real reason they went and got Chris Paul, I think, was to, like, take Aiton's game to the next level. And I think that's getting there. So... I don't think you got to freak out if you're a Devin Booker fan or a Suns fan just quite yet. I will say the Aiton start. stuff is weird, though. Aiton do does mean? not look as much of an offensive player this year. He almost looks like a hmm. defensive center out there who's learning his way on the offensive end, which is the complete inverse of what it's been of the first couple is. of seasons of his career. He just doesn't really look for his shot anymore. I think it's probably tough for him to figure out exactly he fits in around Devin Booker, who is a high-usage player, Chris yeah. Paul, who likes to control the ball, but... Big guys usually succeed playing alongside Chris Paul. It's weird to see him taking a little bit step backwards on the offensive end. 
Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, a hell of a dunk there last night. Uh, you got Shaq excited on the TNT uh, <laughs> broadcast there. It was looking like young Shaq with that dunk, the one where he went baseline and then mm-hmm. threw it down the other side. It was awesome. So big, big win for the Grizzlies. And, man, my final thought with John Morant. I know I've said this before, but i got to keep saying it. I'm so damn impressed when I watch him play, right? He, he's a star, as we just talked about. Like, he, he just he just has that something special within him, like, to sort of take over games, set guys up. And then you hear him in the post-game interviews and stuff like that, and I'm even more impressed. He just like is like feels like the epitome of just a leader at at a crazy young age. Um, it's just like always like blows my mind talking to the guys, obviously, back in the TNT studio, and just like it just he just gets it. That's the easiest way for me to put it. And uh, man, I hope he stays healthy. I know you're always worried lately because uh, you oh, should have yeah. an incredible, incredible career ahead of him. It's crazy. All right, Trey. Had to get this one in for you, big guy. Bulls beat the Rockets. 125-120. High score and a fair. Oladipo did look solid in his uh, Houston debut, but what's your big takeaway? The Bulls are back! No. I know what you're thinking, Skates. Weren't the Bulls already back? Are they yeah. back to 500? <laughs> they were. Then they were not back. But now they're back again because the Bulls finally closed out a fourth quarter. JD, hit that celebration music. No? No? Oh, yeah, I guess I probably should have asked for it before, but we talked about it briefly yesterday. The Bulls lost four in a row last week by a total of 11 points. Fourth quarters have been a struggle for Chicago. It could have been the same script last night. The Bulls got off to a big lead. They were up by almost 20 after the first quarter. It got tight again in the fourth. I had uh, Nets, Bucks on the big screen, the Bulls on the small screen. I'm just counting down the points to Laura. Six-point game. Four-point game. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Put on my hood, tucked in my shirt, said this is the one in the fourth quarter. Because for once, it wasn't all on Zach Levine. He was magnificent, I thought. 33 points, seven assists. He had a nice dunk on a fast break, a little two-hander. He was making big Mm -hmm. plays. But the big plays involved everybody. For It felt like the first time all season. Three minutes left, Levine gets trapped. They are getting the ball out of his hands because he's on fire. He dumps it to Thad Young. He hits a three. One minute left. Not a Levine step back for the first time in forever. Four passes before a Lowry Markinen three from the right side, from the right wing. He knocks it down on a night where he was struggling. Huge to see a clutch shot. The ball was fizzing all night. There were multiple VSPs. Lee's <laughs> tweeting at me. I appreciate your team for this. I appreciate you too, Lee. Seven balls in double figures. A back-breaking play that involved everybody. This is a young team that just honestly doesn't know how to win. They would get so close in these fourth quarters last week. Uh, they beat the Mavs pretty easily on Sunday. But they got so close in these fourth quarters, they just were one play away. They were Mm -hmm. one play away from pulling off any of these kind of wins, and they were unable to make it until last night when Markkanen hit the huge three, and it just had to be a huge relief for everybody. It had to be nice for Zach Levine to dish the ball away. It goes to Kobe White, I think, in the corner. He drives baseline. He kicks it back up to Levine. He says, not this time again. Markkanen steps up and hit the three. It's got to be great for Zach Levine to say, I don't have to do it all on my own. And it's great for Markkanen to say, yeah, I'm struggling but I'm still part of this team. They still trust me to hit the huge shots. That's how you build trust amongst your teammates. This is a team that has had a lot of decent pieces, a lot of pieces that could pop. And last night it felt like they were a team actually. So shout out to the Bulls. They are back. Well, let me ask you this, Trey, because I saw you tweeting about it. I listened to it as well. Uh, The Daily Ding, our guy Dave DeFore, we've had him on. Throwing out that idea of uh, the Bulls looking to trade Zach Levine. You know, should they? throwing it out there uh, and he's not alone I've seen other people uh, you know suggesting this what does Trey Kirby say to the idea of uh, the Bulls 
you know, cashing in, I guess, now with Zach Levine playing at an all-star-like level. What, what do you think? I think you mean all-star level, Skeets. You can book him for this game oh that's goodness. not going to be happening. The <laughs> announcement, though, it will be made. It's understandable. Levine has been balling. He's been uh, one of the best players in the Eastern Conference for the past week. Yeah. He's putting up like 35 a game. But you were definitely starting to see the free Zach Levine sort of things. And he's definitely got to be a target for a team like the Sixers who could use his ability to score off the dribble, his ability to space the court. And he's just an athletic marvel. So you wonder if maybe there's something more to tap into defensively as well. But I don't know. To me, the the time the Bulls are really going to need to trade Levine is when they have reached a status where it seems like they can't go any further. To me, he is... Mm-hmm. Uh, DeMar DeRozan on the Toronto Raptors, a multiple-time All-Star, but when the Bulls or when the Raptors really got serious about winning, they had to trade DeMar to bring in Kawhi Leonard, and I think that's going to be the same thing for the Bulls. They need to build around Levine. They need to get him some All-Star appearances, and then when it becomes clear that they've reached their ceiling with him as the go-to guy, maybe everybody else has grown enough that you can entice a star to come there, a real star, because Levine... He's going to be in the all-star conversations. You know, he's mm-hmm. not going to be a lock. He's not going to be a guaranteed guy. And he's not necessarily going to take you to the next level. I think he can take you to the good level. Somebody else will take the Bulls to the great level. But for right now, I'm just riding the wave. That guy was on fire. He has been for the entire time. And last night, he was passing the ball. And it worked out crazy. Yeah. He's averaging 27 and a half points per game, basically. And five and five and a steal and mm-hmm. a half. Um, yeah. He's played great this year. For the Bulls, and the Bulls are six and eight. I mean, they're they're back almost to five hundred, uh, getting very very close. There, only three games out of a playoff spot, I think, too. <laughs> it's so jammed up there. But anything to add there, Lily? Well, he's shooting a good ball too, Zach Levine, thirty eight percent from downtown. Ball. Is he a beautiful shooter of the basketball? Is that safe to say? Or I don't know. <laughs> hey, we had a, uh, a a real life Jar Rule uh, meme there when uh, Trey said hit the music and JD wasn't ready. He was like, oh, I guess I, you're you not gave ready you gave J- you gave JD a heart attack. You can't do that. Trey. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like you. You gave me a heart attack, too. So I was like, well, I, I, is this in the dock? I don't know we're doing this. What's going on? <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, all those Bulls points are, are very valid. I, I just thought Victor Oladipo, yeah, he looked very, very yeah. good for his first yeah. game with the Rockets. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is a great first situation for Oladipo if he could really sort of get to that position. Though John Wall again there last night. He's like, hey, I, I'm, I'm still a pretty good player. You might want to invest in me some big bucks. I mean, he, he's kind of similar, actually, to Zach Levine. It's like he's not a number one guy. But a very solid sort of one A, you know, two guy, whichever, you, however you want to sort of uh, frame it there, because I think playing along the right guy, those two, those sort of guys can really thrive. Uh, so yeah, if Oladipo stays healthy, he's in a good spot to to earn himself some big bucks next season. So do you do the thing where the number one guy is one and then the second guy is one A? Yeah. Or do you make the number one guy one A and the second guy one B? Or do you just go uh, one two? Well, yeah, it, it depends, doesn't it? I mean, like like in Brooklyn, for example. <laughs> Kevin Durant's number about? one. Let's Kevin Durant's number one. Well, is right? he one A or one? Now he's number one. He's like number he's one. he's there's there's like only a handful of guys in the NBA who are like number one guy, right? Okay. Kevin Durant's one. LeBron's the other. Okay. Steph's probably the other, and that's probably about all for now. For now. Wow. No Giannis. Uh, okay. I mean, I don't know. I can't put him in that. Same saying Giannis is a one A. I think Giannis is a one A <laughs> right now. Oh wow. James Harden is a one A. James Harden is a 1A, you know? Okay. Anthony Davis is a 1A. Anthony okay. Davis is okay, a 1A. Okay, I see where you're going here now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got... Hmm, do you go 1B or do you go 2? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to our next game here as you think that one over. Uh, final game that we're going to touch on. Uh, unfortunately, we're not getting to them all. Um, 
We're going to go with the Heat, though. They rallied from 19 down to beat the Pistons, 113-107, to uh, end a bit of a slide. Okay, people are probably going, what, what are you talking about? The Heat's Pistons game? Why, why aren't you talking about the Hawks getting a win and the Raptors getting their third straight win? Well, look, here's why with this game. First off, it was supposed to start at 3 p.m., and it uh, didn't start until like 8 because it was delayed by the NBA to allow time for COVID-19 tests to be uh, processed. So that had, that had to be in a weird day game uh, or game, excuse me, for both of these teams. Heading into the game, Jeremy Grant, JD, I know you have this because I told you about it in advance. Jeremy Grant, <laughs> did you guys see him in the gold Pistons throwback? Oh. Um, yeah, just a beautiful jersey. Now, Trey. I don't think the Pistons ever actually wore this jersey, right? This is just nah. like one of those, yeah, like fashion jerseys, that gold metallic. I remember seeing a Utah Jazz like this too uh, that Donovan Mitchell was mm. wearing once upon a time. Anyway, Jeremy Grant, I wanted to point that out because cool-looking jersey. People think that he's, uh, you know, he's sending a message to the Pistons organization like, hey, let's bring back, not the gold version because they never wore that, but that that uh, Grant Hill, teal, horse-like Pistons jersey. You know, get it back <laughs> in the mix. Looks pretty Horse-like. cool. like but he's averaging 25, 6, and 3, Jeremy Grant is, over a block and a steal per game. He's shooting 47% from the floor, 39% from three, 86% at the line. Yeah, his minutes are up from last year in Denver, like 10 minutes per game more. I get that. But his per 36 stats, they're up as well. Still, uh, you know, exceeding expectations there in Detroit as the, as the one, hmm, is he a 1A guy or a 1B guy? I don't even know where to put him. Anyway, his usage percentage is extremely high, but he is delivering. And, uh, I think, I mean, it's going to be hard-pressed for anybody to catch him for most improved, right? Like, I know there are guys, like, uh, there, there are other guys. that uh, Boucher is definitely in the mix. He's played incredibly well here for the Raptors. But uh, his, his numbers are just, like, they're twice as good. <laughs> I mean, and, and he's, like, the star guy. Now, will he be – will people hold his numbers against him if the Pistons have, I don't know, 15 wins? I don't, does that matter for most improved? Do you guys care? Does the team need to be good? I don't know. No, 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 the, team, the team doesn't need no. to be good, but they need to be no. watchable. And, and outside of Jeremy Grant, the Pistons are a tough watch. No, they're, yeah, they're a tough watch. I mean, you know, we talked a lot about Kevin Durant on the Nets and John Moran on the Grizzlies. If Jeremy Grant isn't on the Pistons, it's tough to watch them sure. and get too excited. I mean, Miles Plumley had a huge dunk last night too on Bam. Nice dunk. But Dun- it was like, other than that, it's like, ugh, it's, it's just rough. I mean, they don't have that superstar talent. And, and I mean, that's that's what people tune in for. It's like, you can watch a team lose if they've got like a, a fun player to watch. And, and Jeremy Grant's a fun player. He's not he's not at that sort of like, oh, you must tune in and watch him. But, right. you know, if you if you are watching the Pistons game, you want to see a good one from Jeremy Grant. He was he was fun last night. But Yeah, uh, yeah. well, I think he's running away with this uh, this award. Unless people are just like, they hold it against him because they just look at the 10 more minutes per game. But that happens a lot. Like, that's like yeah, a Turkaloo thing and stuff like that. Like, that happens all the time with this award. Anyway, he's playing really, really well. Yeah. But Miami got the win. Still without Jimmy Butler, still without Avery Bradley. No Tyler Hero in this one. He had a neck injury. No Myers Leonard. But Bam is back. Bam is back. 28 and 11. Bam's hitting jumpers now. Like little, like little fadeaway jumpers. He's added that. Uh, Dragic is back too. He scored 22. And I saw Spolster after the game. He said, in some ways, it feels like this was two wins. Just because we are preserving through a lot of different things without feeling sorry for ourselves or making excuses. Persevering, excuse me. I was thinking, I had jam on my mind there. Um, but I, I just keep thinking about this Heat team. We barely talked about them. They're a weird team. I mean, they went to the finals last year, but they've been tough to talk about because they haven't had their team at all, it feels like. All season long with guys in and out, COVID protocols and injuries and stuff like that. And it's like, I just don't know what to think of the Miami Heat at all. Like, I, like 
They don't really get included, it feels like, still in a lot of the conversation about who's going to be the best team in the East. But then no one's like, well, they're done. Like, everybody knows they're still a good team. I don't know what you got. If you have, do you have an opinion even on the Miami Heat of this season, Trey? Or am I sort of on the right page here? It's tough to have an opinion on them this season because some of the biggest highlights I've seen have been from a guy like Gabe Vincent. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, they've yeah. been playing shorthanded for the majority of the season. Even last year during the season before everything was stopped for the pandemic, the, the Heat were very up and down. Remember, they were getting yeah. a bunch of wins at home. They were struggling on the road. They were... A team that was in the middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference, everybody gelled in the bubble and they took it to another level. I think that um, it's hard to have an opinion on the Heat right now because we're not seeing them full strength. And we're also kind of assuming once it comes down to the pressure cooker of the playoffs, Jimmy will be back and the team will kind of, you know, be focused on the same path together and they'll be able to out culture some teams when it comes down to it. They just haven't looked like themselves right now because they've been having to shuffle people in and out, I think. Yeah, it's a very, very odd season for the Heat right now. But from this game, final takeaway. We got wedgie number 10. Though, 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 though. <laughs> Heat broadcaster Eric Reed on the call. Really dropped the ball on this one, in my opinion. Let's play the clip. Dragic turns the corner. Doink. Jump ball with 2.08 left here in the third quarter. Doink from Eric Reed. Yeah. Now, and everything about this wedgie was beautiful. I love a little layup soft wedgie that sticks like that. Dragic, well done. I loved Kelly Olenek letting it breathe. Did you see that? He was having a good old, like, uh, let's leave it. I think he was joking with Dragic for a second of like, hey, do you want to jump up and get it? Or do you want me to get it? But he let it breathe. Doink? Mm. Mm. Come on, Eric Reed. I, on, I can't Eric believe Reed. Eric Reed didn't drop like, well, that's the 22nd uh, legend. <laughs> last third year. Um, doink? I mean, I'm yeah. actually, I'm okay with the doink call, but then, come on, say it's a wedgie. Like the, yeah. Yeah, to me, was... a, a doink involves something bouncing off something of course. else. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, for us, when it was, when we were back in the whoopsies days, a classic doinker was a guy taking a ball off the face. Yes. I saw Jamie Mottram had a tweet earlier this week uh, where he said, Doink is reserved for when a football hits the upright. The famous one is the Chicago Bears had the double doink two playoffs ago. Doink, doink, both sides. Like I'm saying, everything involved with the doink involves a a bouncing of some sort. There's got to be a bounce to have a doink, a wedgie. It's wedged in there. It's in the name, Eric. But like you're saying, Skeets, we got to hook him up with the stats because you know he will drop them the next time they got a doink there. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll give him, like, the pace we're on, the highest we've ever done. He loves a stat, Eric Reed. He's <laughs> he loves great. It. He's fine. He's just, I couldn't believe he dropped a doink. And, uh, and again, not that he dropped a doink. Okay, sort of fun to say. I get it. I like saying it. Doink. Doink the Clown, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, but dropped the wedgie after that. And that Matram thing, you reminded me, Trey. I saw that tweet, too. He said, doink in football when you hit the uprights. 100% agree. But he said, in baseball, when you hit the, uh, like, the foul pole down the line that's not a doink he said that's a clang i think he said do you Interesting. agree yeah uh-huh. um yeah i actually do agree okay. uh are foul poles made of metal it seems yes, like they so. are uh and then when you have the hard baseball hit it it's gonna make a clank sound in football you got the metal goalposts, but they have an inflated ball just like in basketball right. that's a doink this guy's right. smart okay yeah what do you 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 on uh 
You on board with that, Lily? You okay yeah. with that? We, doinks look, and doinks and clangs and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, we, we've had a good run though with the uh, play-by-play commentators. So uh, you know, we're, gonna, we're not going to be batting a, hun- a thousand with them. We're, it's all right. We, we'll educate everyone. I think a few. You people don't think will- they're on a WhatsApp group chat? Okay, all these guys calling these games and women—they gotta be. And, and Maybe, somebody yeah. let them know. Somebody's got to let <laughs> well, Eric know. Look, this, yeah. I mean, Eric, yeah, he's been around forever too. He would have definitely seen, you know, the wedgies in the past. So Yeah, now I'm trying so. to remember, has Eric Reed ever called it a wedgie? I think, I think so. I'm, yeah. I'm almost certain he has. Yeah. But wow. So this is a right. concentrated right. effort not to give us a shout out. That's even worse. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, I can't wait for the next uh, wedgie in Miami. Eric Reed will be all over it. I have faith. I have faith. Okay, so that's five games. One thing. Let's get to some news, though. This first news item is crazy. Kevin Porter Jr., guys, appears to be on his way out of Cleveland. The Cavs are expected to trade or waive Porter following the 20-year-old's recent locker room outburst. Now, this is according to The Athletic, and it's been confirmed by other um, other um, outlets. Porter reportedly began yelling and at one point threw food after he entered the locker room on Friday and he learned that the team had given his old locker to Torian Prince, who was acquired by Cleveland as part of that blockbuster Harden trade. So he comes in, he sees that his locker... Porter, by the way, hasn't played this season, and, and we'll get to that. But he sees that his locker has been given to Prince, and he and he's sort of been moved over to like where the, you know, the younger kids are on the team or whatever, another part of the locker room, and he just flips out. I guess. Um, not sure we know what food item he's throwing. <laughs> we, uh, we can conf- we we have confirmed it's not tortilla soup like J.R. Smith in Cleveland, but we don't know what exactly. And after the episode, Porter was told to clean out his locker and basically get out of here. Um, you know, he got into you know a verbal altercation with Kobe Altman. And uh, maybe even Bickerstaff as well, if, I'm, if I read that correctly. So, yeah, this is wild. Kevin Porter Jr. is 20 years old, Lee, and he's basically being told, like, we're going to trade you or we're just going to straight up wave you. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm only going on what we've read. And uh, he obviously got, uh, you know, very upset that he, he was felt that he was maybe being disrespected and reacted like a 20-year-old can react in that situation. I'll, I'll, I'll sort of give him that little pass there that it's like, you know, when you're 20 years old and you it, things haven't gone your way. Like, he, he had some talent. He showed some talent last season. He hasn't been able to get on the court so far this season, so he's probably frustrated. Uh, and then he feels that he's, uh, you know, being marginalised maybe in the locker room, and, and that's how he reacted. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, if they're prepared to just straight up wave him, uh, then perhaps they don't feel that he's he's got he's going to last in the NBA anyway. Yeah. You know, because if you're not going to get anything in, in return for a player who throws a tantrum, then perhaps they just don't see he has a future here. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, but uh, you know. 20-year-old kids sometimes do react in a, in a bad way and you can give them a little pass in that sense because I know as when I was a 20-year-old, uh, you know, you get yourself a little worked up over things that aren't that uh, big and you don't handle things as maturely as you probably do when you're a little bit older and you've been in the league a little bit longer. So, Have uh, you ever thrown any food at, a, you know, a Trigger or Big Matt or Old Eight Toes? Or, <laughs> I mean, chucked any hand ice at anybody? No. Uh, I probably wouldn't... Th- have thrown any at trigger maybe at eight toes yeah <laughs> you know yeah i've probably thrown a little something at eight toes you know okay. um but uh yeah you know when we were 20 i mean when that when, when eight toes and i used to play uh, nba live i mean you know that that's that's really where you test your friendship you know oh yeah it starts out as fun and then you're just like i want to beat this guy or kill him i don't care whichever <laughs> one happens first but you know video games are bad like that they yeah. really bring out the worst behavior in people so you probably <laughs> threw a bag of doritos or something uh, uh, at yeah. one of your mates. Okay. <laughs> yes, you yeah. think that over. Probably. Well, yeah, okay. So you're, you're saying... Now, here's the thing, Lee. 
and Trey, maybe you're going to talk to this too. This is a 20 year old kid. You're right. Maybe just overreacting because he's like, what, what, what's going on here? I, that was my locker, all that. And it's a bad look regardless, but he does have a bit of history uh, in terms of things both on the floor and off the floor uh, when it comes in college and uh, and in the NBA. I mean, just this past, what was it, November, I think it was. Um, what last? I can't, uh, I'm trying to keep track off of the season. Year. Yeah. <laughs> last Whenever year. Whatever the off November, season was. Um, he was Porter Jr. He was arrested and charged with, uh, it was sort of like a one car accident, but improper handling of a firearm in a motor vehicle and failure to control the vehicle and a misdemeanor possession of marijuana. Now, I think all those charges were dismissed. But again, he hasn't played this year for the Cavs, Trey. They've said for personal reasons. I know he did have an incident back in US, USC too. So like, is this sort of just like, hey man, sort of like, you know, three strikes and you're, you're out type of thing? Or are the Cavs overreacting themselves? Probably both, but I think it's understandable that they are. He was a guy that dropped to 30th in the draft because of these questions about off-court conduct. As yeah. you can see in his rookie season, he's a pretty solid player. If you would have asked me who is the best of the Cleveland Cavaliers at the end of last season coming into this year, I would have had Porter ahead of both uh, Sexton and Garland. Mm. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what actually goes down here. Cause I can definitely see a team taking a chance on Kevin Porter jr. Sure. If he can get his off court issues handled, because obviously that's the big question. He's a quality young player. He can create off the dribble. This is things that basically every team is looking for teams like the Grizzlies, Pelicans, Knicks, Thunder. They've got extra picks. If they want to add a young guy, the nuggets, the Celtics are contending teams that could maybe work something out to add Kevin Porter jr. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, when you are on the fringes of the NBA and you have an outburst like this, it's understandable when a team decides that we're done with you. You know, things have been going pretty well for the Cleveland Cavaliers this year. They uh, seem to be on the upswing, mm-hmm. seem to be uh, having a lot of optimism around them. Maybe they'll be able to pull off a trade for Andre Drummond uh, in the next couple of months. We shall see. But, uh, you know, you, you don't want this this on your franchise, basically, when things are going well. So understandable that um, the Cavs are making this decision. It's too bad for Porter, but like you're saying, Skeets, we got to find out what this food is. I would not be surprised if it's roast beef. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, Drummond's had had so much roast beef in the locker room over the last little while. Yeah, he's just flinging roast beef around. Um, Oh, wow. If it's roast beef, this makes this story even crazier. Uh, Yeah, I hear you, though. I think the Cavs are like, this isn't worth the distraction, man, or you're you're not worth the headache. Um, mm. So, you know, now they're saying either just stay away from the team and we'll try and trade you or we'll just end up waving you, which just seems crazy. I mean, it feels like you could get, even if it's a some, small yeah. asset back, yeah, like you said, some team would maybe take a chance on him and think they can, you know, help him out in, in terms of maybe his personal troubles and stuff like that. Or maybe not. Maybe like, this is, yeah, this is a professional basketball league. You got to be a professional. And uh, these, a lot of these organizations don't have time for this nonsense. So crazy. Hopefully he's only 20. I mean, it's not like his uh, his, season, his career's over, so hopefully he gets it together. All right, some other bad news here. Uh, according to the Blazers, late last night, guard CJ McCollum will miss an extended period of time after suffering a small hairline fracture and a sprain in his left foot. McCollum will wear a walking boot and will be reevaluated in four weeks. Lee, this stinks, because at first, Terry Stotts on the Blazers like, yeah, okay, he hurt himself. We'll reevaluate McCollum in a week. Um, so much for that. Uh, you know, a day later, Shams is all over it, and now it sounds like he's going to be, well, he's going to be out a month minimum. They can't afford to lose him. Uh, he's having his best season. Uh, you, you know, talking about all-star potential, I know that the Blazers' record isn't great, and Lillard's sort of their default all-star, but but I think McCollum was really forcing his way into that conversation. And 
most improved for him. I mean, look at the numbers that he's putting up this year. 27 points a game, shooting 47% from de- uh, from the field, 44% on 11 three-pointers a game, yeah. five assists uh, and four rebounds a game, and a steal and a half a game. I mean, he was just playing incredible basketball, and now he's out for a month, and I just don't think the Blazers will be able to survive too much uh, without him because he really can go out there and carry the offensive load when they need him to. He, he's been incredible. He knows how to get to his spot and score. And you can just see the confidence in his game this season where he's like, I, I, I can do anything I want. I can go out on the court and get a basket anytime I need to. And uh, and now I'm I just not sure how they cover him. They've got some guys, you know, of course, Gary Trent Jr. is one of the ones who's probably going to get more shots now, but he can't create for himself in the same way that CJ can. So right. I, uh, I'm i not sure what the Blazers do. They're obviously hurting. They've lost Nurkic as well. Um do they make a trade? I mean, Zach Levine, maybe he goes to the Bulls. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't worked that one in the trade machine yet, but certainly they need someone who who can sort of go out there and get their own basket. And uh, it's, it's going to be really tough to see how the Blazers can handle missing two of their starters uh, for at least the next month here. And uh, just a blow for CJ because uh, he's he's been such a consistent player. And again, he really stepped his game up this season and, and, and took that next level. I'm not sure what level I'm going to put him in just oh, yet. Oh, wow. But, uh, <laughs> I was just going to ask you that. Yeah, where but, does he um, fall? He must as, be a 1B. He's, he's a 1B. He's a 1B. <laughs> right. He's a 1B, yeah. Uh, but, you know, like that, that backcourt has been together for so long and I've talked about it that I wonder how much longer they go with it because their ceiling, I don't think, was sort of much more than about the second round in the Western Conference anyway. But now... I think they'll just be in a struggle just to sort of uh, keep their heads above water for this for this next month because I just don't think they've got the depth that uh, other teams have, especially in the Western Conference. This maybe bodes well for my Lillard MVP pick. That's the only good news to come out of this. Maybe Lillard just goes bonkers here for three or four weeks uh, without yeah. two of his starts. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, but CJ has broken his foot, I think, twice now. This foot uh, in his career. So, that you, I mean, you're going to be cautious with it. That just sucks. Uh, what do you think, Trey? I mean, the Blazers in deep, deep trouble here with no CJ because he's been, they're going to, you got to take out 25, 26 points a game out of your lineup. Oh yeah. They're in big trouble. No CJ and likely saying no Nurk, you know, Nurkic, you don't think of him as a big loss on the offensive end, but he's a guy who can make plays in a pinch as well. So now there's so much pressure on Damian Lillard to basically do everything. The good thing for the Blazers, uh, they're scheduled the next 10 days. Isn't too bad. Grizzlies back to back Knicks, Thunder, Rockets, Bulls. There's only one loss I'm seeing there. That's against the Bulls, you know. <laughs> After that, it does get a bit tougher. They got the Bucks, the Sixers, but they don't have the toughest schedule they could possibly have right now. It's not like they're mm. running the Lakers, then the Clippers, then the, then the Nuggets, all back to back to back to back to back to back to back, 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 back. So if Damian Lillard's able to really catch fire here, if he's able to keep putting the team on his back, uh, we're going to get to Players of the Week here in not too long. The guy can ball out. We've <laughs> seen that so many times. That's why I'm willing to say that uh, CJ McCollum is actually a two here because Damian Lillard is established as a one, if you ask me. But he's going to have to be a 0.5. He's going to have to be even more uh, extreme than he has been to start this season. Because CJ has been a huge help to Damian Lillard uh, throughout the season. I'm in the midst of cutting these seven days for the NBA. And there is every game it feels like Damian Lillard has a huge game. He'll have 40 and 15. But then CJ McCollum's right there with 30 and 10 as yeah. well. Uh, so he's been making plays. He's he's stepped up his three-point shooting. He's stepped up his playmaking. And now losing CJ and Nurk with a team that has already brought in two starters. Now you're bringing in two backup guys. There's a lot to figure out for the Blazers. And it just kind of feels like every single year is like this. Damian Lillard seems to stay healthy for the entirety of the season. And they're just shuffling players in and out of the lineup, trying to get their their best team on the court when they can. I guess 
the the silver lining of this is that it's still only January. You know, mm-hmm. if the Blazers are able to kind of keep their head above water here for the next month while CJ is out, if they're able to figure out something with uh, the center spot, with uh, Yusuf Nurkic going down, if they're able to just stay in the mix once everybody's back, maybe then they're able to go on a streak. Yeah, it didn't start well on Monday. They suffered a 21-point loss to the Spurs without McCollum there, of course, uh, and Nurk. So, rough start, but I, I hear you. Uh, Lillard's going to have to put up some insane, insane numbers, which he can, which he can. And he did this last week, our final piece of news here. You said it, Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant named NBA Players of the Week for Week 4. If you're keeping track of the NBA season, yeah, we're basically a month in here, guys. Lillard averaged 30 points per game, 7.3 assists, and 5.3 boards as the Blazers went 3-1. KD averaged 34-8 on incredible shooting percentages as the Nets went 3-0 over that week. A little trivia, I like to do this with you, Lee. So KD winning an Eastern Conference Player Mm. of the Week. First one. How many times did he win the Western Conference Player of the Week? 25? Oh, you almost did it again. 26. (laughs) 26. Very, very close. I think, I think he ranks third all time, I think Kevin Durant does. I mean, LeBron LeBron would have to be number one. LeBron is like miles ahead of whoever's in second. I can't think of second right now. So if you guys, Uh, if anyone pops into your mind, let me know. Maybe James Harden? Hmm, could be. It could be. But there's a weird thing with this too, because not until like, 2000 2001 season did they start giving it to both conferences like jordan jordan i think is fourth all time like he's behind kevin durant but it's like they only gave it to one player for the entire for the entire league right Mm. why why are you laughing well of all the accolades you know the player of the week that's the one (laughs) well i think that's gonna ultimately when it comes down to goat talk at the end of it all how many did Jordan have? How many did LeBron have? No. Um, so, yeah, MJ was uh, at a disadvantage there, even though he got a ton of them still, but they were only giving one out. And I think this thing only came around in the 80s, too. So, you know, how many would Wilt have had? Who knows? Who knows? It's one of my of biggest the- what ifs. That's how true. many players of the week would Wilt Chamberlain have? Number two, though, on your list, Skeets, you would have guessed it if you got around to it. Kobe Bryant. Oh, Kobe. Thank you. Thank you. I know Melo's got a lot, too. Yeah. He's up there. He's got probably close to 20. Um, Anyway, fun little trivia with Players of the Week. Congrats to KD and Lillard. See if Lillard especially can uh, do it in back-to-back weeks. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams, trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Aditi, Andy, and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors Row or ride at home or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. 
you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mmm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Tweet of Loved this tweet of the night because if you were on NBA Twitter last night during the Nets Bucks game, you saw a lot of people tweeting about the look of the court and the look of the teams <laughs> on that Nets court. And at Jessica Smet- Smetnana, excuse me if I'm saying that wrong, <laughs> Smetana? Um, Jessica, we'll just call her Jessica. She tweeted, the best part about watching the Nets home games is knowing that me and my dog see the exact same thing. Now this I thought was the best tweet about this. Because here's a look at it. I just took a quick screen grab. JD posted it for everybody joining us on YouTube right now. Yeah, you know, it's it's very black and whitish, very, uh, very dog-like. Uh, that's what they are seeing when they're watching uh, <laughs> this game. And so were we. Because you just saw so many people, myself included, by the way. I made a WandaVision joke. Um, I don't know if you guys have started WandaVision. JD, have you dipped into those first two episodes? I've seen the first episode, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Anyway, what do you... That's it, yeah. Yeah, okay. Rachel sat there and complained the entire time. Like, is it going to be the whole thing? The whole thing's going to be like this? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Okay. And I was okay. just, well, yeah, exactly. That was my reaction, exactly. Okay. We just, we'll just, we'll just, let people catch up on uh, WandaVision <laughs> and we'll eventually do a deep dive. But yeah, a lot of people making the Pleasantville jokes and just like the, the straight up black and white jokes. But I like that one from Jessica there, that tweet about uh, that's what Luna's seeing when she's mm-hmm. watching the game mm-hmm. with Sam. Somebody has a dog now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now I understand dogs. Man. I really do. I really do. All right. That was uh, great, though, because, uh, yeah. because of the uniforms that they were wearing. And for some reason, it felt like the players were wearing the drabbest shoes they could uh like everybody was wearing a white and black shoe except for basically kevin durant he had on um he's not in this picture but he yeah. had on uh like a texas longhorns orange shoes oh yeah so that's it right. really felt like a the pleasantville the color is returning scene right like it just started yep. with kevin durant's feet still an unusual look like i said earlier i had this on the big screen i had the bulls going on a small screen at halftime i switched to the bulls on the big screen bah, 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 going back and forth so when you go from a very colorful game uh, like like the Bulls versus the Rockets, you know, a lot of red happened in there. And then you go to a game where it's all in black and white. It's throwing you for your loopy. Oh, especially when you go from, yeah, on TNT, if you yeah, just man. go from Nets Bucks to then Warriors Lakers, which is like an explosion <laughs> of color. Hey, you like colors? Yeah, you feel drunk on color when you go from that one to that one. Uh, anyway, great tweet, Jessica. Uh, I wish I knew how to pronounce your last name. I'll figure it out. Pick them results. Bucks, Nets. It was the game we were uh, betting on there last night. And Lily, I went with you. We took the Nets. You, you talked me into it. You just said, they got Kevin Durant, man. They got Kevin Durant. You ended up being right. 
Simple as that sometimes, Lee, because the Nets covered, they got the win. So that's a win for me and you, a loss for Tass and Trey, who had Milwaukee to win by three or more. Tass and Trey are 8-9. Lee, you're in last still, but you're 7-10. You really needed that victory. And I'm 9-8, the only guy over 500 here. Tonight's game, incredibly, there's only two games on tonight. What? Very weird. Uh, OKC Denver and New Orleans Utah. Even weirder, they both start at 9 o'clock. So, just really strange schedule here on a Tuesday night. But we're going to go with that Pelicans-Jazz game. Utah favored by six and a half, Lili. We'll go to you first. Yes. Do you like the Jazz to win by seven or more, or Pelicans keep it close? This is the second Wait, time Where is it in there. Utah? Is it it's in, in Utah? Utah, yeah. I don't know if that makes any difference these days or not. I know the Pelicans <laughs> just had a very nice win over the Kings, but it was the Kings. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, the Jazz have been playing uh, better, right? Seven points I have to win by. Yep. I'll take the Jazz. Okay. Ooh, okay. Trey, what do you think? Uh, this is tough. I'm tough. with you, Lee. The Jazz have been balling, but that seems like a big chunk of cheese right there. Give me the Pelicans to Ooh. keep it close. I don't know. Perhaps the Jazz pull it off, but um, I don't know. I just keep thinking back to Zion in the preseason when he was a rookie going up against Rudy Gobert, knocking him back, putting him in the basket, finishing mm. at, um, at the rim. Zion was awesome against the Kings. It felt like he wasn't going to miss a shot. He ended up 13 for 15. He's been balling right now. It seemed like his coming out party, J.E. Skeets, was loving the highlights. <laughs> so I'm encouraged <laughs> by what I've seen from the Pelicans. I think they'll keep it close. Give me New Orleans. We'll see. Oh, man. Let's, uh, let's hope Zion dunks on Rudy Gobert tonight. Then we're talking. Uh, I actually like the Jazz to win this one. Um, I, you know, I think, again, they're one of these teams that's going a little bit under the radar right now. They always do, so it's no surprise. But give me the Jazz to win by seven or more. Let's hear from Tass. I'll take the Pelicans plus six and a half, and I'll take six and a half plus collisions between Zion Williamson and Rudy Gobert at the rim. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. Wow. We are split again the same way. It's me and Lee taking Utah to win by seven or more, and it's Tass and Trey taking the Pelicans to cover the spread there. Good luck to everybody, but especially to Lee. Just a little bit more <laughs> luck to Lee and then me. Uh, okay, guys, that's it for today's show. Only two games on tonight. We'll be back tomorrow to maybe talk about them. We might do something else. I, I did say we are a month into the season here. We could start looking at some awards, early awards, if we want to do that. we got to do that at some point this week for sure. So maybe we'll uh, start diving into that. Coming up later today, it's Tuesday. TK, you're going to have your seven days in the NBA. Fun video series you and JD are working on. So keep your eyes on our YouTube feed for that. Just make sure you subscribe. Also also, well, I've got a little uh, little treat for, for mainly our Australian audience out there. Uh, I'm going to be having a little podcast with a uh, former Australian NBAer coming up in uh, in the next few days sometime. So look out for that one. <laughs> okay, wow. Yeah. I, hope, uh, I hope your Wi-Fi is working by then. Oh, well, am, I, am I lagging a little bit I mean, here? I mean, you lag for me every day. Am I alone? He like, I, really? I swear to God, around the 20, 25-minute mark, you start lagging for me. Man, but you, just... I mean, you're powering through. I can understand everything yeah. you're saying. So yeah, yeah. I just wanted, okay. If you looked into your Wi-Fi, I mean, what are you working with over there? No, my Wi-Fi seems fine uh, these days. So I, I don't know. Well, what's I'm going not sure on. it does. Yeah, I mean, but look, maybe it's just my week. You know, I've had the the uh, leaf blowers out here mm. this morning. I've got the Wi-Fi lagging. You know, it's, we sort of just seem to pass it round. So maybe <laughs> it's just my time for it. Yeah, maybe it is. All right, guys, like, comment, and subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Again, seven days in the NBA. TK's weekly recap, along with JD, of course, coming later today. So that's always a lot of fun. Email us your NBA questions for tomorrow. My God, it's already Wednesday tomorrow. Tomorrow's Beach Steppin' Podcast. We'll do that one in the afternoon after the morning daily show and after Tass's 
what you need to know mini podcast on the morning. We got so much content, I can barely keep track of it. Grab your No Dunks merch at nodunks.com and subscribe to The Athletic already. Go to theathletic.com slash no dunks. You can subscribe for $3.99 a month. All right. Anything else to add, gentlemen, before we say goodbye here today? Nah? Lee? Nah? Trey? JD? WandaVision. I liked it. Okay? I liked it. Hey, I liked it too. All right. Great. Clipper Bros? You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, No Dunks is a number one podcast. (laughs) Not a 1A, not a 1B, a straight up number one. Embrace the day, people. You could stay.